Hello, listener. Um, the ice has melted in my stupid shaker, so you can't hear the martini that I am pouring for myself. But we are here once again for another episode of City Mouse Country Mouse with me, your one co-host, Nick Brown, the City Mouse. And me, Kate, the Country Mouse. And second co-host. And second and final co-host. Second, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, final. I found us a guest, uh, though, who wants to be on our podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, her name, I, her name is Hot Mary. Hot Mary? Hot Mary Pfeiffer. Is that, is it a nickname or is that her legal name? I call her Hot name? Mary. I met her through a friend, a mutual friend, Ursula, who called, okay. who called her Hot Mary. And um, so I call her Hot Mary. I see. Does she respond to that in its shortened form? Would If you said hot... Hey, Hot. Well, she would for me. She would know what I was talking about. I don't, I've never called her anything else but Hot Mary. Is she attractive or is it just from something else? She's like a she's like a mermaid floating on a cloud. I have a painting of her. I have, I'm not sure that that answers my question. I have, a, I have the best <laughs> painting of her. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Nick, we'll put it in the show notes. This painting. Yep. I, it's an oil I painting. And I did it. That's great. She was lying nude. She, this is nude art. Uh, under under my apple tree. I might actually put it in show notes. I doubt it, I, but, you know, it's not impossible. I, like, I, <laughs> I imagine that this week I will go to no more effort than I have in previous weeks to successfully incorporate anything we say into show notes. <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, I don't really intend to be any more diligent than I have been in the past, which is not at all. Right. Well, still more than myself. I just uh, yeah. Well, yeah. You don't do anything. Let's just, <laughs> let's like, get that established. Yeah. You know, you are you're the Kathy Lee of our partnership. Uh, Did uh, Kathy uh, Lee it, do do fuck all? Is that well compared to Regis? Really? I, I, he, that's he my really impression. Carried the the weight. So you heard that this week. Seventeen thousand hours on television. He had in his life. Seventeen thousand. Yeah, people. Seem to like More than him. anyone who's ever lived. Oh, my God. Regis Philburn, number one TV personality. Number one. Our number yeah. one is gone. It's true. Yeah. We've... <laughs> a captain, our captain. <laughs> <laughs> Regis. Yeah. Yeah, uh, poor Regis. I didn't ever really care one way or another about him. His passing on, it was an event like saying like, oh, that tree fell over. Oh, you didn't. Like you didn't have like a little like ooh, like uh, like. It. I just kind of thought, well, okay, that's true. You know, it was like saying, it. The year is twenty twenty, or the year is twenty twenty five. Whatever the year is. So it wasn't like an uncle died. No, it was it was profoundly unpersonal for me. I did not have any feelings about Regis Philbin one way or the other. You know, I kind of I liked him because he was like. A little different looking than than a lot of the, you know, dudes on TV with their beautiful smiles. I mean, he had a beautiful you're calling, smile. You're going Regis, Regis fat. Regis, no, he was just uh, differently proportioned. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not fat. Ugly. <laughs> right. Uh, you know. Welcome back to our podcast. <laughs> Speaking ill of the dead. He was a, this week. Regis Philbin. He was a different kind of guy. He was. He was. He had a weird nose. He was beautiful, but uh, yeah, I kind of. He, quite I, I felt more like you know, uh, you know, like the end of an era. 
type of feeling. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit more than a tree falling over, even though that's a damn okay. shame. Yeah. Well, most trees are, too, when they fall over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yours was a tree that might have hit your house when it fell. The mighty oak. So uh, what other updates have been happening with you, Catherine? What do you got this week? Any new news? Well, I'm starting a new writing project. Uh, okay. And it, it's entitled Buffalo Tukas. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I'm going to try to follow the bison transfer. They're going to give some native tribe in uh, South Dakota some buffalo, the Department of the Interior. The f- in Wyoming. Uh, so it might come from Wyoming. It might come from Yellowstone. I mean, I don't know the location yet. I don't know if they know, but it's happening this autumn. Huh. Yeah, they're going to give the Indians some buffalo. And um, I want to be there when they load them up. In exchange for taking all of their land? <laughs> As per well, my first the question, norm in U.S. history? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to follow the, the buffalo uh, in their semi or whatever. So I'm calling it Buffalo Tukas because that's what I'm going to be staring at probably for yeah. days. I appreciate you using the sort of Yiddish terminology there. My because I know, th- and nothing quite says the Wild West like <laughs> Yiddish terminology. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to try to get this story to follow these buffalo to talk to some uh, elders to the World Wildlife Fund, and uh, it's. I already have like quite a few people in the reservation that are willing to speak to me, but I've been told already to dress modestly in a modest skirt or dress, and that um, I can have some eye contact since I'll be an authority figure, but I can't have too much eye contact with the buffalo or with the people <laughs> with, you're the to? <laughs> with the elders oh, okay buffalo. with the buffalo you can you can mad dog a buffalo i don't think you can stare them down oh yeah <laughs> they're they're crazy amazing up close they're just they're wild man i saw some in yellowstone oh yeah i've i've been up near buffalo uh, so Great. so yeah my first question is going to be uh so now that you've got these buffalo we're even <laughs> So is that is that it? Re- that's, Justice yeah, restored. <laughs> no, uh, not really. I, I don't think I don't think that would go over well. No. So our, our, our topic this week is Peru, right? As per Which, your suggestion. Yeah, it was well. It was the first thing that popped to mind. Yeah, I, I was would. thinking about Paddington Bear and who's from Darkest Peru. So, Nick, um, like Paddington, are you familiar with Darkest Peru? I am familiar with Darkest Peru. I think we should stop calling it that, though, because I was mentioning it as a quote because I thought it was sort of silly and dated. But I feel like well, if you used it in earnest, it would become a little problematic very quickly. I like Darkest Wyoming. That's I mean, that seems <laughs> appropriate. Yeah, dar- actually, you know, maybe you're right. It's it's I assume it's jungle portions i always assume it has overtones of colonialism i assume that the dark well, was course. like a racial thing of course of course D- yeah blackest africa darkest yeah. Peru, palest wyoming yeah palest palest wyoming <laughs> we're we're sitting around fatly cat <laughs> you're you're <laughs> you're broadcasting from palest wyoming from <laughs> a cowboy fatly 
So yes, Peru is our thing. Uh, did you uh, our updates from here? Oh are, yeah. What's going on you know, with you? I don't know. I, I mean, I, you never ask, Nick, so I I don't care. Oh uh, no, Nick. <laughs> Nick is dealing with just some heavy shit, and I don't want to talk about it, frankly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It was. Not, I mean, it's not that heavy. It's well, it no. could be. It's. But, it's know. just you know. We're waiting on genetic testing from a fetus. It's you know it's you scary have stuff. To, you have to do these genetic tests now. I've got a cousin who's uh, artificially uh, doing the the egg and the sperm, mm-hmm. and it has to be tested. The a viable embryo has to be tested, and it never ends. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially if you want to build a person who's half giraffe like we do. Dude, you know I send you those giraffe emojis. <laughs> do you think there's giraffes in Peru? Giraffes. I know that there I know for sure that there are not. Giraffes are I mean, except in a zoo, probably. Except in the, the darkest zoo. Uh, yeah. So do I, you have a story about Peru? Well, I've been in the jungle at night. It was not a Peruvian jungle. It was kind of a, a sweet little jungle in Hawaii, in a, in Maui. And oh, it, it's yeah, just like is... the eastern side of the island. But anyway, I was on a walk. <laughs> I was actually walking through Lim- the cemetery that Charles Lindbergh is buried in. It's a pretty little small cemetery. He's buried in Hawaii? In Maui. Wow. And the Who east knew? peanut. Um, and... Uh, it was just it just started like the light was fading and i was a little worried it got so dark there but this guy brian who i'd met earlier just happened to be walking along and he gave me a flashlight yeah maui was pretty cool but peru i have a friend nana you you met uh-huh. nana remember uh-huh so she oh, yeah. she and i um she like started disliking me like uh, with passionately uh, a few years uh, ago uh, because I became pretty good friends with her sister, Deirdre. And oh. uh, they had a father named Helmut, Helmut Stotzle, okay. and he was very German. And yeah. <laughs> Deirdre, Deirdre, during one of our hangout sessions, I think, you know, gave his old uh, hat to me. And it was just, uh, okay. it was one of those brown felt German hats. Yeah. Uh, with with the, that are the sort of rounded on top. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fedora. Let's be clear. Uh, but, and, and I didn't necessarily want it, but uh, it was old and it was like, you know, how some families kind of mythologize themselves. There's like a, a, sure. a grigri on their objects. And anyway, so I took it. And uh, then uh, years later, I got a, uh, Nana reached out through a mutual friend through Tom Leps. Oh, okay. Uh, um, asking asking me to week. give the hat. Or we will back. have spoken of yes. next week. Great, sure. When I post that, unless I post this out of order. Tom in Lep, which case, that'll be confusing. Tom But she she wanted her dad's Shut hat us. back, <laughs> and I found it. It was in the closet. I still had her dad's hat. Thank God. I considered saying, "Well, you can bid on it, like everyone else on eBay." Uh, yeah, but. You know, uh, there'd be a reserve, of course. But anyway, I did give her the hat back. But uh, Peru, oh, she wanted it. It was this, so. This is all in connection with. Uh, I'm wondering where you're going. Well, here. this is this all is... in connection with like she was taking a trip to Machu Picchu. Oh, and, and she wanted to bring the hat. Well, I think that she wanted to do like. I don't know. I have no idea. 
best guess is that she wanted to like heal something. And it was all. Oh, so she was bringing the hat as an emblem of the thing that needed to be healed. I don't think Machu Picchu does I that. I don't think she. No, I don't think she was specifically wanting the hat for to take. I don't know why. Maybe it has nothing to do yeah. with it. But it seemed like it was in connection with her. her with her, well, her father also. I think. Well, maybe she was doing an ayahuasca retreat because they do do those. I in did Peru, an ayahuasca retreat. Did you do it in Peru? Um, no, I did it and get this Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the ayahuasquera, the you know master of ceremonies and singer. She was from Maui. This is all a little Maui sure. connection. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is all coming together, or maybe it is. I no, it is. This is I, I won't this give is all you about that much Peru. credit. This is just all yet. about <laughs> Peru. Uh, but yeah, that's where you do ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is the mother. They do that down there in Peru, don't they? I think so. Yeah, I, they have ceremonies. They certainly do in South America somewhere. Oh, somewhere uh, in I, South America. I do not. Yeah. as I mean, they do a lot of things somewhere in South America. Jesus. But ayahuasca retreats are one what of are, those things. What are they doing down there in South America? <laughs> <laughs> ayahuasca. What, what are they, why do they keep the equator in the middle of their continent? Something's fishy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like don't hoard... Somebody should look into that stuff. <laughs> I'll just be like a Republican politician right now and just make vague insinuations about some sort of nefarious plot happening anywhere that I am not. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a conspiracy theory like based upon this podcast, or at least like this podcast would be in the bibliography of, of <laughs> the latest uh, South American pandemic. <laughs> okay so i assume this is someday going to come back to peru but i'm well I'm, you, know, um, you know okay maui we have the mm. ayahuasca retreat yeah we have the well, hat yes yes well i think uh deirdre and nana stole's father helmut i think he stole uh, artifacts from um south america is there any reason that you think that or is that nana totally has baseless? them in her house oh so and, she's like, uh, but you know, I wouldn't say that they're stolen because this is, it is Bingham, Harlem Bingham, or geez. whatever his name was, who stole all the artifacts from Hel- Hel- Helmut Bingham. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I think I think that's right. He's a Yaley because I know that Yale had this huge collection of uh, Incan artifacts, and it was because this guy went down, and I think it was the guy who found Machu Picchu originally went down and just was like, I'll take all of it. You know, you're not even supposed to take shells from the beach. Yeah. No. Uh, but he was more in the sort of British colonial tradition sure. where he's like, ooh, that's a nice pyramid. Uh, that would look lovely in London. Off we go. Off we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> their father stole Peruvian artifacts. Well, perhaps Peruvian. I, I believe they were from South America. And, and okay. let's not, like, just use the word stolen uh let's just say he he found himself in possession of them <laughs> okay good that's <laughs> i don't know sounds how that like happens. The, the kind of phrase that white colonialists have been using for several centuries well it's yeah i mean i'm i name names <laughs> when i tell my stories yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, am I also going to say, like, sh- you know, they're thieves, all of them? 
No, I suppose. I found feel- themselves <laughs> in possession of. You're right. You, you didn't euphemize. Uh, or I, uh, what am I looking for? Not euphemize. Uh, uh, you didn't give them pseudonyms. That's what I mean. No. Pseudonymize. Pseudonymize. You chose not to pseudonymize your friends. I'd like to start pseudonymizing myself, though. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just uh, ran across this old uh, zine I used to write for, Bedlam, and my sure. pen name, I had completely forgotten about it, was Dolores Lips. <laughs> Doesn't it? It sounds like a drag queen. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly agree with so, that. So do you have a story about Peru? I do actually have a story about Peru, and mine's going to be much more straightforwardly about Peru because I was in Peru, so it's just a story about being in Peru. Were you in Lima? Did you see any graffiti? I I was all over the place in Peru, but I think the thing that I wanted to tell about, yes, this will do. So I went to visit Peru when I was young and poor. Uh, It was 2004. I had been working on John Kerry's presidential campaign. We just lost, and I met my old friend Loki, Norse god of mischief, but that is actually his name, mm. down in Peru with his friend Jet, who is a giant Australian guy that is exactly what you imagine a giant Australian guy to be. He was from, uh, what's that was he- tiny, what's that town in the middle of, the, the very middle of the continent that has that enormous temperature differential between day and night? You know what I'm talking about? It's like right in the middle of the desert. Is this, There's one city in the middle of Australia. So this is Aboriginal um, territory. Yeah, he was, and I believe his ancestry was at least partially ab- Aboriginal, oh. the guy who was with us, Jet. And then Loki's girlfriend at the time, whose name is eluding me right now, but she was a uh, German and Mormon. And and uh, I remember her face very specifically, but I, boy, do I not remember her name right now. Anna, maybe? Might have been Anna. Anyway, I made plans to meet them in Cusco in the sort of pre-cell phone era or pre-international cell phone era. Ah. And <laughs> to give you a sense of the sort of level of planning that went into this trip... The extent of the email that I wrote was, oh, let's meet in Cusco, which is the town near, you know, relatively near to Machu Picchu. And they said, okay, great. We'll be there on 18th of November. And I said, great. I'll fly in on the 18th of November. Perfect. Cusco is a city of 300,000 people, Uh or at least it was at the time. So we had no further plans than that. We had not in any way set up a place to meet. We had not done anything. And by like raw blind luck, I checked into a youth hostel sort of across town from them. uh, And we both went to visit the Central Square at the same same time. And I accidentally found them. That's beautiful, man. It was great. And... It was a lovely trip in general, but everybody was very, very poor. Like, Loki's budget, I remember, we were going to travel through Peru for three weeks, and his net budget for food, tickets, everything, was $600. So our budget was basically $200 a week, including lodging and food, uh, which is not easy to do. So... 
we knew we wanted to see Machu Picchu and we wanted to go to Machu Picchu. But to get there, you have to either get a pass to hike on the Inca Trail, which is a four-day hike up and down these vertiginous peaks. Vertiginous peaks, yeah. And it costs, like, just the permit costs, I don't know, it's four or $500, and then you need to hire a guide because it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and so there's very specific people who you're allowed to go through with, and they have to make sure that you're all right. So you can't do that for less than several thousand dollars. And the other way to get there was to take a train from Cusco or one of the towns that was a little further out to Aguas Calientes, which is the town at the foot of Machu Picchu, because Aguas Calientes, because there are these hot baths there. Mm, I love a hot bath. So we arrived in Cusco knowing that we... <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> But you know that about me. Go on. We arrived in Cusco. We found each other. Cusco at the time was just this totally bananas place if you were a white tourist, particularly if you were a blonde white tourist as I am. Like, I was went anybody to... interested in you? Did they come oh, up to you? Oh, and... everyone. Yeah. Uh, the, I went to a, native, a performance of native dance that we had heard about, and Loki and I were the only and Jet were the only three white people there and I was tall and blonde which is was also quite rare at least at the time and an entire classroom of high school girls and I didn't speak any Spanish gathered around me and wanted to take pictures oh. together oh that's so sweet yeah it was <laughs> it was it was gentle. Uh, it was, it was you, nice. You were it mobbed was, by uh, the schoolgirls. That's that's really good karma, man. Yeah, and Cusco itself was an emerging, though already there, tourist economy. But you had, as you do in all tourist economies, all of these sort of dubious figures who wander up to you and say like. Cocaine, cocaine, uh, cocaine, <laughs> and you know we'd wave them off, and then the be gone dubious offers, figures, <laughs> be gone dubious figures. Yeah, with that, that's how we said it. We said <laughs> in Spanish. Can you say it in Spanish? Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, no, no. The degree of my failure of Spanish later on this trip, after I'd been in Peru for three weeks, and understand, I never took Spanish growing up. Mm. I don't speak any Spanish. Oh, what do you speak? But I speak pretty good Italian. Ah, so. I could understand most of what they were saying to me because it's pretty close. But then I'd try to speak Italian back to the Peruvians who I was with, who I met along the way, and they would be totally baffled, just absolutely yeah. unclear what's going on. I, there was a later point on this trip where I was supposed to meet Loki and Anna at a cockfight in Ecuador, mm. and I had to ask the hotel person where the cockfight was but of course I didn't speak any Spanish and he didn't speak any English so I came up with uh, La Guerra de los Polos yeah, well, um, uh, the, great. the War of the Rose Chickens yes. <laughs> and he sort of stared at me blankly and he said cavalli um, which means horses <laughs> because apparently that's what most tourists were actually looking for Right. Um, 
in any case, I didn't speak much Spanish. I'd tell you, be gone, ruffians. <laughs> None of your cocaine this evening. <laughs> One of them offered, he said, you want to meet my sister? Oh, <laughs> I was like, no. 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 <laughs> no. I, I, I. Anyway, lots of complications. We're in Cusco, but we're gonna we're determined to see Machu Picchu. Well, I hope uh, I hope your Australian friend made it because I know his budget was low. Did he get to go and? See well, it? that's this is the tale. Mm. We're just beginning the the tale mm. of the the trip to Machu mm. Picchu. The train, if you come from Cusco, at the time I believe was something like a hundred and twenty dollars. And it might even have been $120 each way. It was, you know, because they had a monopoly on Machu Picchu and it's a World Heritage Site, they're, of course, going to use that monopoly. I would. But, but Loki and Anna and I decided we were going to find a way to get there. We figured there's got to be a way to get to Aguas Calientes that doesn't involve paying, uh, you know, a fifth of their budget for the train ride and that doesn't involve getting this pass to hike on the Inca Trail, which we couldn't do anyway. So our plan was, you know, let's say we arrived on a Wednesday. Our plan was to set out Thursday morning, and we were just going to figure something out. We were going to get as close as we could to Machu Picchu and then go from there. Smart. <laughs> so we wake up the next morning. Jet is supposed to come with us, and he does, actually. He, That's right. I forgot. He did make it, because he, but he had been... He had accepted the cocaine offer the night before. <laughs> so we had, we had lost him at around, you know, we went to bed at midnight or something. And apparently he stumbled into the room of the hostel at like 630 in the morning. Ready to and go. We pulled him out of bed at eight. Oh, right. So he was in good mental and physical Yeah, he was shape. coming down from cocaine. Uh, the move then was to get as close to Machu Picchu as we could. So we jump on a bunch of buses, you know, you find the bus from Cusco that goes, and we figured, you know, we looked at a map and we found the closest town to Aguas Calientes, which is, I believe is 22 miles away from Aguas Calientes. And then there's no road from that town through, but there is a train, right? That's why the train is so expensive is because they have a monopoly on access to the town. So we get to the last town at around, I don't know, two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon. And we asked directions as to, is it possible to go from here to Aguas Calientes? Is there a way? And they said, oh, you want the Inca Trail? And we said, no, we don't want the Inca Trail. Loki, by the way, spoke perfect Spanish. He's mm. been in the country for three weeks. He's one of those people who just osmoses languages. That's awesome. Moses. The people we spoke to about getting to Aguas Calientes said, well, you could, I suppose, walk along the train tracks. Ah. But it, it's illegal, so be aware of that. Also, there are several parts of the tracks that are tunnels. Uh. So you have to be very careful to have a timetable for the trains so that you know when they're coming so you don't get stuck in See, a tunnel okay, with them if this, and get run over by a train. If this were a movie, I'd stop watching right here. I'm not interested <laughs> right. in training. You know, I'm not interested in, like, playing chicken with a train. Oh, my oh, God. 
You avoid. I don't think that's what people normally mean when they say training. Like the movie Training Day is not contrary to your clear expectations about playing chicken with a train. I knew this dude in Lawrence, Kansas, Anthony, who wanted to take my naive little friends and I training one night which means that he knew this bridge where a train came by and you could be on that bridge, not underneath it, but on it in this little, like the, the alcove of the guardrail on the shoulder of the train track over a bridge. And he said, it's such a rush when you see these trains coming at you. And yeah, I didn't do it, mom, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) uh i was horrified my friends did it and i was i I was down in the basement with jim morrison i was down in the basement with jimmy i I walked away i couldn't handle it uh that's the smart move dude i'm yeah uh, definitely i I graduated with honors but so you didn't run into a train trouble did you well, Can we skip ahead. We went my- <laughs> to a great deal of difficulty to obtain the time tables oh, for the trains because we were thinking, okay, we'll get to the thing and we'll look yeah. and we'll check and see if a train is going to come. And if there's not one scheduled, we'll run through the tunnel. You know, and we all have these big backpacks mm. and the hiking boots and stuff like that because we've got to walk 22 miles. I wonder miles how long the, the, tunnels, train tracks. the tunnels were. I will tell you shortly because we arrived at said tunnels. So we left the town. We got the the furthest, the closest, the furthest along the train tracks we could go was there was a minivan that was basically a school bus for kids from the country who came to this last town to go to school. And so at four o'clock in the afternoon, we said, can we pay bus fare and we'll get in this tiny little minibus it was a VW minibus with four rows of seats and four rows of seats designed for people who are much like I'm six foot one, Jet was six foot three, Loki's six foot two, for, and Anna was for five two or whatever. For children. But and then uh, and then children. But they had to shove us in like sardines. We were packed um, to the point where I couldn't move my arms when the vehicle was moving. Amongst and Jet, the children? Amongst the children. And Jet actually had to, he was in the row behind me. He had to hammer down on my shoulders to get me to down to the seat level because I was, it needed downward force to get into the sort of mild gully between the two kids who were next to me. <laughs> we were just absolutely packed in. We take this school bus to the head of the Inca Trail where they drop us off and we know we can't go on the Inca Trail because we'll get caught by park rangers and arrested but we can walk along the train tracks so we start hiking along the train tracks and it's beautiful and really remarkable actually because there are a lot of old Inca ruins on the side of the train tracks after maybe 45 minutes or an hour a couple miles (laughs) among the many badly planned things here is it's 22 miles and we're starting the hike at four o'clock. So there's no way we're going to make it, but we're thinking maybe we can camp out along the way or what are we going to, we didn't really have a great plan. 
we're hiking along the train tracks for an hour or so, a couple miles, and we come to the first tunnel. And the first thing you see on the side of the first tunnel is this makeshift graveyard with all of these little crosses by the side of it. Just, cool. Just 10 or 15 people who clearly died during the excavation of this tunnel or directly related to the excavation of this tunnel. Like, these are people who have already died doing the thing that you are about to attempt to do. Yes. The tunnel's maybe 300 feet, not very long. You know, you could probably get through there in under a minute, you know, if, but it's around a corner, so you can't see down it very far to know if anybody's coming. And so we think, okay, let's look at the train tables. We pull out the train tables, and the train tables say that there's a train at 4.45, and there's going to be another one at... 515. Mm. So once every half an hour and we think, okay, great. Well, what time is it? It's four. And at this particular juncture, we come to the realization that nobody has a watch. Uh, so <laughs> we've gone so far out of our way. Dude. But did you just had to and and then of course you take your guesses right like you do all of the things you see in western movies jet puts his ear to the ground to see if he can hear a train coming That's what I would do. you know loki and i are looking off in the direction but we decide to just go for it and we just bolt through this tunnel and we're fine and everybody's fine and we make it to the far end of the tunnel and we go another maybe half mile and a train does come and this time it's not in a tunnel but to our left is a steep embankment with a river at the bottom of it and steep, steep, like 20 feet down to a river and to our right is a cliff. And so I have a picture somewhere. I'll put it in the show notes. I won't put it in the show notes. (laughs) I have a picture somewhere because I had my digital camera with me. You know, it was the first generation of digital cameras. I was very pleased to have it. Sure. And of my, myself and Loki and Jet and Anna holding onto underbrush to support ourselves so that we don't sort of plummet into this gully as the train (laughs) passes by uh, over us. And all of the people on the train are sort of like, huh. I wonder if they're going to die. Honey. A lot of of curiosity. (laughs) Pass me some more bourbon, darling. Oh, look, death wishers. (laughs) Be gone with you ruffians. I spent time in Peru. Be gone with you ruffians. <laughs> I know the local dialect. <laughs> so We hike for maybe three, four more miles, and it becomes clear that this is a bad idea. Like, really? We're less than a third of the way, and, we, and it's almost dark. We, what is cool is that there are a lot of these little settlements along the train tracks. So they're both old, ancient Incan ruins, but there are also small little settlements of one or two people in, you know, fairly unelectrified kind of rudimentary houses by a a few hundred feet off the tracks. Sometimes they're, uh, you know, as we get further along, the actual trails emerge because people still live here. They just don't have electricity or access to most modern means of transportation. 
there's the train that they could take if they walked to some place that it stops, but otherwise there are no roads and there's no power and there's no water. Uh. So they rely on the river and all of this. And I just remember one of these very, very remote villages walking into it. And there's this sort of older guy who had barely, in fact, I think he had no English because Loki was talking to him in Spanish and I assume his native language was probably not Spanish, but a uh, a native dialect or a native uh, language, which I don't know what that is in Peru. Some sort of Incan, I would assume. But we talked to him for a while, and I and it became clear that I worked on the Kerry campaign, or I worked in the U.S. presidential election, which he understood. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, who won?" Because it had been three weeks earlier. <laughs> And he was really anti-Bush. So and I was like, I work for Kerry. He's like, oh, yes, him. <laughs> like, good for you. <laughs> well on your way, young man. Yeah, and that's cool. And then he, yeah, it was awesome. He was, he was probably in his 50s or 60s and had really mild news access. We kept going after meeting this guy and it got dark and I, I can't imagine we'd made it more than 11 or 12 out of the 22 miles. And it got cold because it's high in the mountains, right? Most of Peru is. It's particularly around Machu Picchu. It's jungle, but it's high mountain jungle. And so it gets cold very rapidly at night. And it was beautiful. And we could see all the stars and all of this kind of stuff. But we hadn't brought enough clothing so we weren't sure how we were going to deal with the night like we basically had to keep moving or we'd die so we did because that's what you do and eventually at around I mean we didn't have a watch so I have no idea but let's say 10 o'clock we see a single car moving along the track and stopping and inspecting the track with flashlights. And we're pretty sure that it's making sure that it's clear for when the train comes through, right? If, it, yeah. if a branch or something fell down, you, you know, you do the inspection overnight to make sure the nice. tracks are yeah. in order. Mm -hmm. And there's a way station along the way where railroad employees can sort of rest. And Loki says, okay, I think what we're doing right now is illegal, but maybe I can talk to this guy and maybe I can see if he'll give us a ride. And totally. The most important thing here is that we don't expose ourselves. So you guys stay hidden in the bushes and I'll go up to him and I'll see if I can negotiate something where we, we can give him some money and he can take us Aguascalientes and Loki sort of goes up to the guy as he stopped at this way station he's having a cup of coffee or something and he begins to talk to the guy and like three unruly children the three of us are all tired and hungry and before he gets out sort of four sentences to like push his negotiating position, we have all climbed into the train car. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of, do with us what you will. <laughs> Please let us out of here. <laughs> and 
as luck would have it for us, the guy agrees that for, I believe it was, it was either $5 a piece or $10 a piece. He would take us to Aguas Calientes. Very cool, man. Yeah. And he did. He, you know, took us along in this little car and he also agreed for the same price if we met him two days later at five in the morning at his work site where his bosses wouldn't see, we could hide in the bottom of the train and they would take Ooh. us back to the to the roadhead and we could, you know, hitchhike back into town from there. So we did. So you did. And we got to Aguas Calientes at probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. We found a hostel that would take us and Loki spent the rest of the night he, he said, all I can think right now when I look at everyone here, because it's a lot of tourists and a lot of white tourists, it's like, you paid $120 and you paid $120 and you paid $120. Uh, and we were so proud of our frugality. Well, we, you should be proud of your spirit of adventure. And I mean, that's you had to keep moving or else you'd get too cold. I mean, that's something. That's, I yeah. mean, we, and, we the kept, train, I mean, and the tunnel. Oh, my God. The tunnel, we, that's a thing. It, it is kind of a story of how imperialism works also, in a way. How? In that we had this grand adventure as these tall white strangers. And the sure. moment we were in trouble, we were like, here's some local person. Take our money, please. Save us. <laughs> and he did. But it's... I, I yeah, it's, it's sweet though. It's not. It doesn't sound uh, too imperialist. But I, no, I don't I think. I mean, it speaks. Oh, more did to I the... tell you we took over his home and enslaved his people later? Oh right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I left that out. You liked it so much. It's like <laughs> we wasn't... just thought it was such a nice place that maybe it should be America. Yeah, you know, like there weren't that many people there. Yeah. You guys weren't living your lives outside of us were you well they certainly weren't living their best lives yeah no absolutely no. plus they had way too many resources yeah like, for their own like good natural for their good resources. and ours we removed those yeah that's america diplomacy yep uh but we made it actually i think we were comparatively innocent of the greatest crimes against humanity <laughs> Right. Help not a great us. Standard. <laughs> right. Well, hey, it's the standard we should all hold ourselves to. Yeah. And we saw Machu Picchu the next day. Um with all of its horrible biting flies. And and uh were you changed by the experience of gazing upon this place? It's cool. It's neat. It's neat. No. But getting there. Yeah, that's, was that's a real... the thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got there. You yeah. have any lessons for this week, Catherine? Lessons that I've learned. Yeah. yeah. What did you learn this week? I learned... Oh, from our show, I learned that, um, yeah. you know, if you're like this tall, blonde imperialist, like the world <laughs> is your oyster, and it should be. <laughs> oh. And cool, that's a good lesson. Did you? I, I, I think I think that's a lesson that history bears out. <laughs> right, right. We're still living the lesson every day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess I learned that 
that we're we're wretched, wretched people in the scheme of things. Yes, yes. Let's poison and the also, water. That <laughs> oh. if anyone ever asks you for their father's German hat, they're probably some sort of cultural criminal. <laughs> Helmut, Helmut. You're gonna send this link to Deirdre and Nana, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to improve relations. Oh, well, sorry. 